Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. I'm your host, Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Lori Sudbrink. She's a leadership coach who teams up with businesses to develop kick-ass leaders that increase retention, build strong teams, inspire action, and accountability. Lori, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Amy. I'm excited to be here with you. Yeah, so how did you become a leadership coach? Can you share your journey with us? Yeah, sure. It's probably not like the traditional path of going and getting certified and and becoming a coach. Back in the, this is really going to date me, but back in the 90s, I was working for an organization where I was doing training and development. And it first started there when I was just informally working one-on-one with different managers and supervisory classes or management classes. And then when I started my business, same thing. I Even though the name of my business is Unlimited Coaching Solutions, it was a training company with a coach approach. But I fell right back into that where I was. I would end up at the end of the class talking one-on-one, having people call me. And so it just morphed into leadership coaching and development. So the majority of the work I do really is the development piece with groups in a classroom, but it's a coach approach in that we're helping people really find the answers within themselves and going through that leadership journey. And I'm just blessed to be there to to help them with that. So in what ways do you help leaders advance their career, but stay true to themselves? Yeah. So the number one thing to stay true to ourselves is to know what that means. You know, who am I? What is my truth? And so the first place that I start with leaders is to make sure that they're clear on that. Do they have clarity on what their values are, what their priorities are, what's really important to them? And once they're clear on that, then we take an objective look on at are the behaviors aligning to that? Am I doing what I say is important to do? And that can be some tough work sometimes. We take a good look at that so that we can then see where the gap is. What do I need to change? What do I need to work on? But if I'm very clear on what my priorities, my values, my passions are, what's important to me, it's going to be so much easier to make decisions, whether it's a career decision or whether it's a day-to-day decision in your leadership role in, in when you have to decide whether this is something that aligns to what's important to you or not. How do you create an engaging team? That's a great question right after this, because it starts with us, right? It starts inside. And if um, the risk of sounding cliche, it's like being a good person. It's just when we're authentic, when we show up with, and I like to boil it down to love or fear, we show up with abundance. We show up ready to help other people. We're full. Our cup is full. We can give to others. Then it's so much easier to engage that team because what we're doing is we're looking out for them. We've got their back. We're clearing roadblocks. We're making sure that we're fully listening. And when we hear something, we're making sure that we act on it, whether it's saying, okay, I'm going to do this or saying, I'm not going to do this. Uh, But we make sure that we come back and follow through on things so that we gain people's trust. Because as we both know, you know, trust is the foundation. 
without trust, any relationship is going to have problems. And so if we're trying to create an engaged team, we've got to create that foundation of trust. And we've got to be able to be willing to stand up for our people. Somebody commented on one of my posts recently on LinkedIn and loved it because she said, make sure that we're standing up instead of standing on our people. And I said, that is just so brilliant. We want to make sure that we're willing to go to bat for them. We're not just going to take orders from our leaders and then deal with it with the people that are on our team. So to create an engaged team, we've got to make sure that people feel that we're there for them. We're their, we're their best advocate. Yeah. I like that. So why do you think that some people struggle with delegation? There's probably a lot of different reasons, right? But let's just hit on a couple of the big ones. I think one of the biggest ones is that lack of trust that somebody's going to do it as good as you can do it yourself. It's hard to let go, right? It's hard to say here, you know, you can do this. Are they going to do it well enough, fast enough, all of that? So there's that insecurity almost, you could call it. You're not feeling like somebody else can do it as well as you. And another reason that people won't delegate is because sometimes they just don't want to take the time, invest that time to get somebody ready for delegation. Because delegation is, is Amy, it's it, 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 somebody has to be ready and willing. They have to have the ability and the willingness before we can give them that, that responsibility. And we're not always as leaders um, aware where somebody's ability and willingness is. So it can, we can have people that are delegating to, we can have managers that are delegating to people and the people aren't ready for delegation and it's too much and it's, or they're dumping and it's not true delegation, right? They're just giving this and people aren't ready for that. Or we could have the other side of it where people are ready for it and the manager is actually not delegating at all, right? They're holding on to it or they're, they're, they're trying to direct too much. They're micromanaging. And so it boils down to, are we as leaders, are we aware of what's going on inside us that's holding us back from that delegation? And often it is trust or it's just that not wanting to take the time to get somebody to that level of being able to delegate to them. Yeah. It makes me think of a scenario where I had a particular boss that redid absolutely everyone's work. She mm. was a uh, director level and she, she'd asked for, say, a report in Excel and oh. pull the data for me so I know the numbers. So someone would, it didn't matter who it was, right? And they'd pull the data and then she would have them sit in her office for four to five hours as she redid the entire work to make sure that she came up with the exact same number. You know, imagine what does that do to people? It just deflates them, right? There's just so many negative repercussions from that. Yeah. You can't take any joy in your work. No. Because it's like, why am I doing this if she's just going to do it? I'm not providing, what value am I providing? It's a waste of time, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that's crazy. So you say it's important to remind people they still have choices. What do you mean by that? And what choices do they often overlook? Too often, people feel like a victim of circumstance. I have to keep this job. I have to do this. And they don't really step back and think, 
it is a choice. It may be a tough choice, but it is a choice and there's always consequences. And so when we do that, it gives us freedom. It prevents us from feeling like that victim, like we don't have any control. It, it, it helps us to rise above that feeling. And so those choices are things like, what career am I in? What am I doing every day? We think about, oh, I just, I'm so busy. I don't have time to work out or eat right or any of those things. It's like, wait, wait, wait a minute. You know, like it's a choice. It, and it's so much stronger to say something like, okay, my day is really busy. I've got to make the choice to do this, or this is going to happen to me. Then it is to say, oh, I just don't have enough time. But we all have the same amount of time in a day. It's the priorities that we make. It's the choices that we make. Yeah. Um, and, and truly, it's not always easy, but it, it is our choice. <laughs> I, I even get into this discussion sometimes with my friends. It's like they will argue sometimes that it's like, well, I really don't have a choice. I have to do this. It's like, no, you don't. You know, it's like you, you get to choose and that's it. And the consequences, that's the law of nature. I mean, that's what we do. Something's going to happen as a result of it. And so taking ownership and responsibility for that can just really free us to feel like, yeah, we do have more control than we might give ourselves. And our language traps us, right? We don't even realize we say that stuff sometimes. Like, I have to do this. There's been a lot of struggle in the healthcare industry and many employees leaving. What advice would you give to leaders dealing with this right now? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely been a really uh, hard time, difficult time. And for leaders that are dealing with this, first and foremost, it's to know that you're really doing the best that you can. Are you backing up to what we just talked about? Are you clear on what's important to you? And are you living in integrity with that and, and doing the best you can for your people? Are you really showing them that you have their back? For example, if there's a leadership meeting and something comes up, are you sitting in that meeting wondering if you should speak up about it, afraid to speak up about it, sitting there thinking, how am I going to come back and deal with this with my team? Or are you speaking out and saying, hey, have we thought about this? Have we considered this? Have we thought about the consequences of, of what could happen if we do this? And that really is our responsibility to, to come to the table, come, you know, to bat for those people. I have probably six, eight healthcare clients right now. And so many of them are doing the best they can with what they have. And they're there for their people and they are going to bat for their people. And there's only so much that they can do in the confines of what they have, but they also have to step back and ask themselves those very tough questions that we looked at in the beginning. What are my values, my priorities, and am I living to that? And am I, is this an expression of that? And, and can I help people in this situation? So it's not an easy situation. It's unprecedented. It's probably one of the toughest times that I've seen in my 20, what years is 22, 23 years of business. So yeah. Yeah. So you're the author of Leading with Grit. Can you share a little bit about your book and why listeners might want to grab a copy? Sure. Well, I'll start by saying it really encompasses everything we've been talking about. So GRIT is an acronym and it's a roadmap. GRIT stands for generosity, respect, 
integrity and truth. So it's not your typical grit. I see a lot of managers, especially the higher they are in management, C-suite and executives, a lot of grit, a lot of, you know, push and tenacity and perseverance. But what I tend to see lacking sometimes is the, the softer skills that they need with that. There's collateral damage that comes with the typical grit. And that's why I made this acronym, generosity, respect, integrity, and truth. And to get to, to, to that grit that doesn't leave collateral damage, we start with truth. And once, just like we, we just talked about finding our truth and then integrity is living to that truth. The next one is respect. That shows respect in and of itself. We know ourselves, we're staying true to ourselves, we're respecting ourselves, and then we can truly respect other people. We don't know their truth. We can't make assumptions about that and take things personally. And, and then the last part of the acronym, the GRIT acronym is generosity. And that comes naturally if we really are aligned with our truth and respecting ourselves and respecting others. And so leading with GRIT is in three different sections. The first section is all about the acronym. And there's a chapter for each generosity, respect, integrity, and truth. Um, and there's also a chapter for the five steps of change to help us with implementing this change. And then the next section is all about communicating with GRIT. So just those critical conversations that we need to have. And then the last section, is about spreading this. So how do we, the ripple effect of grit? It is 99 cents right now on Amazon Kindle. So if anybody wants to take advantage of that, can't beat that price. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So can you share some of your client success stories with us? Yeah, sure. I think one of my favorite, most recent ones is I just, I worked with a board of directors um, an Alaskan company, board of directors, and we did a retreat, five-day retreat out in Tacoma. And they, one of their biggest things that they were working on is generational differences. And it was tricky for them because on this board, not only were there differences in generation, but they were all, almost all related to each other as well. And so it was very interesting to, to work with those dynamics, but oh my goodness, they rolled up their sleeves. They showed such courage, vulnerability. They really learned to, to have conversations that were sticky and the, to engage in really good conflict which we had one person get up and walk out of the room at one point, wasn't going to deal with this stuff. And it ended up just being one of the most wonderful retreats. And, and they said the same thing, that, that people just had a chance to really connect and relate and communicate and respect each other. And so we used the grit model to take them through that five days. And like I said, I've worked with a healthcare as well in um, one large hospital, worked with the, the chief medical officer and a team, and we did a team retreat. And I remember him saying that I thought we were going to come in here for a half a day and we were going to be done. And when we started unpeeling the onion, he was like, okay, we need to schedule another day because we were doing Patrick Lencioni's actual five um, behaviors of a cohesive team. And we were on trust and we were trying to get to the next level of conflict. 
And, and it was just like, we were stuck there. We really had to, as a team, be willing to roll up our sleeves and share more vulnerabilities with each other so that we could get to that next level of hashing things out and not taking it personally and being able to have these disagreements. So those are two that come front to my mind. So what do you think has been your truth that has gotten you this far in your journey? My truth. Ooh, yeah, my truth. Well, I will share my personal values of freedom, family, fun, and just being able to spend time with my friends and stuff, quality time. So those values have been extremely important to me in the last, I'm going to say 12 years, especially. And, and I'll share with you why, because I, I lost two brothers. I lost the first one in 2010 to suicide. And I lost the second one in 2012 to suicide. And in, in that, you know, I think it really, what it did was it, it just, it created this opportunity, I guess I'll call it for me to look inside and, and, and look at my truth and what was so important to me. And it has, it's inspired me now to you know, kind of just push even harder for deep listening and for people to have that fearless transparency and be able to take the, the time to sit back and have that non-judgmental acceptance of people. And so that truth, that's impacted my life huge, hugely, if that's a word, hugely. And it really has taken me to where I am today, I guess. I did you know, change a lot about my business and my life after that. And I believe so much in helping other people be able to improve their life through their leadership and whether that's your self-leadership or you're leading others, but that's one of my missions in life is to improve life through leadership. And I, I think that stems definitely from my truth. So if you were able to give yourself one piece of advice, when you first started out, what would it be? (laughs) Chill out, (laughs) (laughs) chill out, accept yourself, trust that it's all going to work out. Really. I, when I started my business in 1999, I just remember being like, so nervous about everything and working so hard and, and trying to structure everything so perfectly. And, and I, I think now that I look back, I think if I would have just taken more deep breaths and just had even more fun, not to say that you could do like a half-assed job on it or anything, but it's to, to show up in your, and have fun with it and trust that it's all going to work out. So trust yourself and trust that it's going to work out. That's what I would have told myself. <laughs> I love that. Lori, if there's someone that's listening that would love to get a hold of you to work with you, what's the best way to contact you? Yeah, the best way is to email me directly at lori at unlimitedcoaching.com. But absolutely follow me if you'd like on LinkedIn. And that's at Lori Sudbrink. I've been posting actively there and sharing tips and techniques. So I'd love to connect with people there. Perfect. I'll put all those links down below. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your expertise. Thank you so much, Amy. And hey, I hear you have a birthday coming up. So happy birthday. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, the big 5-0. Yay. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much. You're and welcome. if you want more information about this podcast and upcoming shows, you can visit a call to thrive.com. Thank you everyone and have a wonderful week.